This podcast is part of the Democracy Group. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are talking politics and religion without killing each other. I am your host, Corey Nathan, and it is an honor to be a part of the Democracy Group, a network of podcasts that examines what's broken in our democracy and how we can work together to fix it. Remember to subscribe or follow whatever your app lets you do um, and leave us a good rating. But also, as I've been mentioning for a while now, write that review. Um, I was just checking to see which apps do that. Uh, Some folks are like me not Apple people. Uh, so I forget if it's podcast addict or pocket cast. I think pocket cast lets you write a review. So I'll check into that. But Apple is always the white whale. If we can get more reviews on Apple, I always put the um, I've been putting the link in our show notes. Please do that. The reviews definitely help like the one we got from John M56. It sounds like a um, I don't know, like an undercover agent. John M56. Uh, John said, appreciate the insights. As a socially liberal and fiscally conservative, I am suspect of both sides. That reminds me of, uh, what was that movie, um, You Suspect? Uh, (laughs) Was it Good Will Hunting or was it the poker movie? Anyway, um, he goes, I am suspect of both sides. Always find something to share with my friends, no matter what they believe. Keep it going, John says. We will. Thank you. That's really encouraging. Very much appreciated, John. These reviews really do make a difference, and it's very encouraging for me, as you can tell. I, I really, I really do appreciate it. So thank you, uh, in all sincerity. Uh, again, I'll put in a link in our show notes to make it easy for you to leave your review as well on Apple. Um, I will check into what other apps you can write reviews for. Uh, every bit helps. Um, but it all helps so that we can get the word out so more people can participate in the conversation, like the subject I wanted to cover today that I'm thinking of as... I'm the bad guy. (laughs) So what do I mean by that? Um, There's a movie from the early 90s called Falling Down. A lot of you folks uh, may have seen it. Uh, I was really impacted by that movie, actually, uh, even back then. It's about a regular guy, uh, like like a regular cubicle version of uh, Working Stiff. Uh, It's played by Michael Douglas. But he gets laid off. He's dealing with a divorce. And then he has uh, what I guess he could call a a really bad day. <laughs> He's trying to get to his daughter's birthday party or something like that. And their car breaks down right on the five or the 405. And he just starts to give up. He leaves his car right there on the freeway. He starts walking through LA trying to get to his daughter's birthday party. Um, and it's like, he wasn't going to let one more thing stop him from at least being a good dad, but he's hit a breaking point, you know, clearly. And at different points in this like mini mini odyssey through the streets of LA, he ends up getting into a number of violent encounters with everyone from gang members to the cop who finally stops him. Uh, The cop's played by one of my favorite actors, Robert Duvall. But uh, anyway, um, at at one point toward the end, the Michael Douglas character, after causing all kinds of havoc and mayhem throughout the city, um, turns around to the cop and he's like confounded. It's like a combination of like horror and surprise. And he, he realizes I'm the bad guy. So um, I was thinking of that because I have so many encounters with friends with, who identify very strongly with one side or another. They, 
you know, and, and they view themselves, they view, it's like, they view themselves as good guys, bad guys. It's that kind of dynamic. Um, a political term that's been emerging is uh, political polarization uh, or anti-polarization. Um, and when you so strongly identify with one side or the other, or you, you may not, like some of my friends won't even say they're, you know, Trump supporters, even though they are. But what they definitely know is they hate the liberals, right? Um, and anyone outside of, you know, so anyone outside of their particular orthodoxy is is the bad guys. So they're the good guys. And anybody who's not part of the good guys are the bad guys. Um, so one one instance when this arose, it was right before the 2020 election, um, a guy that I really respect, a, a, a pastor friend of mine, I, I won't say his name. Um, he's a really gentle, wise, encouraging guy. Um, but he, And listen, for some folks who don't like Trump, you'll be surprised to hear, my guess is that he's a Trump supporter. I, I don't know if he is to this day, but uh, in the 2020, it was clear that he was supporting Trump. So he posts something on Facebook, and I don't, I don't, I don't engage with folks that I don't know, but I figured because it was my friend who's a pastor posting it, I engaged on this one. And the post was basically, so tell me why you don't like Trump. And the way he did it was he listed a whole bunch of accomplishments that, that Trump achieved during his, his term. So he said, so tell me why you don't like Trump. So I responded with scripture. He was my pastor. So I, I responded with scripture. I think the first one I responded with, and listen, I, I've said this before, but I can literally open up any page of the Bible and it's a testimony against the words, actions, character, Donald Trump. So it wasn't hard for me to do. But I think the one that I sent to start the conversation to, to say why, um, I, I didn't even say anything. It was just, I just quoted directly. Um, it's, from, uh, oh, it's from the Hebrew Bible. And there are, the, the quote is, there are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven, which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, uh, which means um, pridefulness, basically. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife. <laughs> so, um, so, that's a pretty good descriptor of Trump. Maybe he, he's, he doesn't get like an F on all of those, but pretty damn close to F, you know, and I mean, damn close. Like it, I, I wasn't using the damn uh, just uh, casually pretty damn close to uh, an F on that report card. Right. Um, so that that's why I said that I didn't make any commentary other than just quoting the verse directly. And um, immediately I got comment, 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 you know, uh, some folks who didn't know me, uh, you know, and, and so one of the comments was um, about King David. Well, King David wasn't perfect. So I responded with more scripture, um, as well as a quote from Donald Trump. At that time, we already knew. Uh, he's, like, he said, I don't regret never asking God for forgiveness, and I don't have much to apologize for. So we already, we already experienced that, like, you know, as opposed to King you, oh, King David was a perfect. The difference was when King David was confronted with his sin by the prophet Nathan, he fell down his face and 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 lamented his own sin. You know, not like Donald Trump. So I I quoted that piece of scripture and then compared and then quoted contrasted that with um, quoting what what Trump said about sin. You know, and and it went back and forth just like this uh, quite a bit. But 
what struck me again was the amount of pushback that I got merely for quoting scripture uh, because it was my, again, it was my pastor's thread. So I was sticking as, as closely purely to scriptural references as possible. Um, but the, the amount of pushback was surprising uh, that it wasn't more um, neighborly. It wasn't more friendly. Um, there was a lot of heated pushback. Uh, one person um, basically put words in my mouth uh, and she started her comment by saying, now I'm sure he's going to be rude and say such and such. Uh, and to, to my friend's credit, uh, the pastor intervened and said, I, I know Corey and know that he's not. Um, and, and I'm not. So even though he's a Trump supporter and I was disagreeing with his premise, to his credit, he um, he jumped in when somebody said, now I'm sure he's going to. Now, why would somebody say that? They The person said that because I didn't share their point of view about Trump. And I was using it, using scripture as a way to establish why, because I, I assumed since it was my pastor, it was, I was talking to other Christians. Um, but because she she had one data point about me that I, I didn't like Trump based on my scriptural, my conservative, theological, scripturally held beliefs. And I was sharing scripture um, to that point. So, but she took the one data point that I don't like Trump um, and she extrapolated my entire character to the point where she was predicting that I must not be a nice person and I was going to respond to her in a nasty way. Um, you know, uh, one person said that uh, was was answering her in a different way than my pastor answered her uh, and said, well, these people are all nasty. That's why I thought of that word. These people are all nasty. So like these people who are like, what, what are we talking about here? These people, like everybody who objects to Trump at that point, like these people. So I bring I bring this story up because it speaks to a mindset that a few of the folks on that thread said things very specifically that indicated they assumed they were the good guys. And I, because I objected to Trump, was the bad guy, right? It's a good guy, bad guy mentality. Um, so my pastor did jump in, you know, and he tried to bring order to it and say that he knows me and that we're supposed to be able to have these conversations without, you know, uh, projecting on people or making assumptions about people. So I, I give I give the dude a lot of credit, um, but eventually, unfortunately, he actually removed the entire post because it just wasn't it wasn't going well. Before we move on, I wanted to tell you about something else that's important. Money, <laughs> uh, specifically your money. In all seriousness, I wanted to tell you about my advisor and my friend, George Meza. George runs Meza Wealth Management. And with George, it's not just about money. It's about helping us manage our present and plan for our future. And unlike a lot of other firms out there, George and I actually have a relationship. He knows me. He knows my family. And I know his wonderful family. I also know his firm and the incredible team he's put together from his chief investment officer to some of the other great people in his office, like Jessica, their head of operations that are always there to help me and with all aspects of our portfolio. You see, the thing is, I got a lot going on. I guess we all got a lot going on and I don't have the time to watch our investments all day, every day. And even if I did, I don't have the experience and expertise that George's team collectively has. So we get the entire Mesa Wealth Management team all their expertise and all their integrity. 
And again, it's based on George knowing me personally, knowing my goals and even the kind of risk that's appropriate for me to take, which, by the way, could change from one season to the next. And they're on top of all of that. So if you want George Mesa and Mesa Wealth Management to be on your team, just visit their website, mesawealth.com. That's M-E-Z-A wealth.com, www.mesawealth.com. And that will also be in our show notes, so you can check that. And now, back to our show. Uh, there was another instance. Uh, my kids went to a Christian school. Um, so I think this was in 2012. Um, and I had already voiced some concerns at that school. Like the very first, I think I've shared this before, the very first newsletter that we got uh, from Trinity Classical Academy uh, started with the words, or the first words I saw, I I don't know if you officially started, it wasn't like the title of the the newsletter, but the first words I saw were, were, the left is trying to, (laughs) a school newsletter. And um, it's Trinity Classical Academy, which is classical Christian education. So it, a lot of it really came to a head not too long. I pulled not too long after this incident, I pulled my kids out of the school because other things were happening that were really pretty. Um, uh, it was it was blatant that there were other priorities that took precedence over some of the stated, you know, some of the what they were branding themselves as. So the incident took place um, on a monthly basis. The school has community nights where they get special guest speakers. And um, I tried to have a, uh, a productive voice as I saw one, um, you know, one conservative voice after another, um, as well as have some understanding that the head of the school had the prerogative to bring in whatever, you know, guest speaker she wanted to, um, you know, and some of them were contributors, you know, high profile media figures, uh, people along the lines of like Mark Levin, uh, Michael Reagan, um, Hugh Hewitt, I think was one of them. And I said, wow, these are all going one way, right? Like, not that I want, not that I was asking her to bring a Democrat in or a liberal voice in, but like, they're all in the conservative media complex. Even in 2012, it was very identifiable who they were, what they were all about. So I was trying to have a productive conversation. I'm like, Hey, what about having like I don't know, an apologist in, like somebody who's robust theologically and has some nuanced points of views about history and political and social engagement. So I helped them get um, a guy named Stuart McAllister in. Uh, and that was that was a good event. Uh, but there was this one event where it was one of those speakers, <laughs> one of those people. I guess I'm falling, I'm being a little guilty of what I'm saying is is the problem. But here's the thing. Um, this person, this particular speaker, I was I was actually interested in because I had brought it up with the head of the school. Um, as a problem. So this speaker had grown up in Poland. Uh, it was um, communist before, you know, the Iron Curtain came down. So I was interested in hearing her life story, her experience and her views on, you know, living in America and the differences between how she grew up and what she's experienced in America. Uh, well, the entire talk was basically a one hour screed against Barack Hussein Obama. Hussein, you made sure every time she said it, Hussein. Um, and uh, her argument was that he was a Muslim, an atheist, a terrorist, uh, not born in America. You know, like it was all the talking points that, um, you know, as if she she memorized the RNC's talking points or Fox News's or whatever, Newsmax's talk, talking points and gave us a one hour version of it. So at the very end, there was time for questions. And uh, the idiot that I am, I got up and I asked a question. It was very simple. Who are we? Who are we? 
you know, this, this is Trinity Classical Academy, right? And it is about classical Christian education. So regardless of how you feel about what she said, maybe you watch the same news channels that she does. What does this have to do with Christian classical education? That, that's, that was the question. And, and I couldn't even get finish the question. And I was getting screamed at from the back of the auditorium. And then a rising chorus of voices were yelling, you know, uh, yelling at me, um, harassing me. Um, and it, it got to the point and, and like cha- challenging me almost, um, you know, because I think they, they, it, it seemed that they thought merely by asking that question that I was there to make a stunt speech for Obama. Like I said, this was probably leading up to the, uh, his second term uh, or the, the 2012 election. The funny thing is I love Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan, but that was, it was neither here nor there. I just asked the question, like, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Like, who are the, the question again was, who are we? This is supposed to be classical Christian education. What does this have to do with classical Christian education, regardless of how you feel about Obama and the shouting? That, so it got to the point where um, the head of the school had to come up to the front, take the microphone and call order uh, because it was really getting very heated. Um, I personally felt under threat. Um, and, uh, you know, interestingly, uh, years later, so it, and it didn't end there. But so, by the way, I was with my dad, uh, and my dad was more is more explicitly democratic, and you know he said some things that you know made it clear that he was very much uh, Obama supporter, and you know so he didn't make my case any um, any uh, simpler to make because uh, I guess people associated my views with his views, uh, which is kind of understandable. But it got to the point where there were people out in the parking lot, they were driving very uncomfortably close to us when we were walking to our car, honking at us, more yelling out in the parking lot. So years later, um, I had an occasion to talk to the teacher, uh, to, to excuse me, the, the this head of the school. And um, I was actually complimenting her for what she did that night. Um, that I know she feels differently than I do about the speaker she was bringing in. Obviously, she was the one who brought the speakers in. But to her credit, she still took the microphone and stood up for civility. Um, But she did something very interesting. She questioned the validity of my story. And I'm like, Liz, number one, I'm trying to compliment you. Number two, you were there. Like, so we're going to memory hole this whole thing like this never happened. And here's here's the reason I bring this story up. Why, why, why were the folks in the back of the auditorium yelling at me? Why were there people driving uncomfortably close to us when we were walking to our car honking at us? Um, why was there the threat of violence hovering in the air that entire night for me merely coming, standing up and asking the question, who are we? Are we classical Christian education or there, are there other priorities at work? Um, why? Because there is a mentality of we're the good guys and anybody who's outside of that orthodoxy are the bad guys me for merely asking that question i was identified as the bad guy um (laughs) i guess that's what you get when you send your kids to uh so i i sent my kids there because of classical christian education i sent my kids there because very first information meeting i went to um, I heard the same head of the school uh, quoting from Dorothy Sayers. I, I, I find Dorothy Sayers' work, especially her essays on education, very compelling. And I did back then too, obviously. So that's why I sent my kids there. 
you know, eventually I had to take the kids out of, out of the school for various reasons, but along those lines. But again, it's a dynamic at work. And why, when I talked to her um, years later about the incident, was she memory holding the, the whole incident? What, even when, as I was trying to compliment her for standing up, not for my views or however, how, whatever she thought my views might've been, but for standing up for civility, she memory hold the whole thing. Why? Because the good guys don't act that way. There's no room uh, to be able to own up to the fact that, oh, well, sometimes, they, no, 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 we're the good guys. We don't act that way. It was, it was a really weird experience. It was weird interaction. Um, so the, again, the question is, I'm the bad guy, <laughs> right? Um, and, and we're in a time now where, who are we? You know, I, I come obviously from a Christian perspective. Who are we? You know, what virtues uh, do we espouse? Uh, there's, there's a quote that I've quoted before Galatians, in Galatians 5, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So that that's not an option, <laughs> you know. The way it's stated pretty clearly. Um, now, what's interesting is just before that, in that chapter, uh, it says, "Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostility, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these." So, look. I ain't Jesus. I know I ain't perfect and I'm guilty of some of these things. I'm guilty of uncomfortably quite a few of these things. But, you know, <laughs> again, if we're holding up Donald Trump, um, then uh, he's not getting he's not getting an A's straight A's on that report card. Right. Um, I think he he's he's on the wrong side of that. Um, but that, that's in a way that's neither here nor there. Um, at the end of the day, we have to be responsible for our own what at least we aspire to in terms of virtues. And it seems like in our political engagement, when we're having these social, these conversations, um, or, or even the way we think, you know, as it comes up, the way we think of um, and engage with others who we, who we see as being as part of the other side, you know, the fruit of the spirit is not espoused as virtues. You know, more often than not, it's, it's the other side of that equation. You know, we, we are, we are um, brazenly espousing anti-virtues. We are not espousing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, good. You know, you say something like that in a lot of Bible studies. And as Russell Moore said, you'll get pushback for sounding like a liberal, lefty, commie, whatever, you know? And, you know, uh, if you say, oh, well, I, I am reading straight from the Bible, you know, uh, the, the pushback after that is, well, we don't have time for that right now. Now, the, the, the time right now calls for something different. No, no, no. <laughs> it doesn't call for something different. Those they're against such things. The, the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentle self-control against such things. There is no law. Not if you feel really, you know, if you, if you see not in 2024, all things are different. And there, those guys are so bad. So I got to give up all the fruit of the spirit. No, 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 no. Against such things. There is no law. Right. Who are we? Who are we? You know, what idols are we worshiping? What idols are we replacing with the truth of scripture, with the truth of God, right? And I know some folks who are listening to this ain't Christians, obviously, I'm agnostics, atheists, that's cool too. You know, some of the stuff that's in here is pretty universal. I think we could all agree that loving, being joyful, 
um, uh, striving for peace and being patient, being kind, being, you know, being filled with goodness and faith, you know, being faithful to your friends, loyal to your friends, faithful to those you make commitments to, being gentle and, and having self-control. Like, it doesn't take belief in Jesus to know that that stuff is good, you know? So, you know, or or um, what what is love? In, in a, I've quoted this before, too, in 1 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, however the hell he said it. Um, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. So we're talking about folks who, you know, support Trump. Now, I, I do need to say that when I talk about Trump and I criticize Trump, I'm not talking about my friends. Um, so when I criticize Trump about something specific like this, like he's on the absolute wrong side of this equation. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record. Like this is a perfect illustration of Donald Trump himself. I am not saying that my friends who support Trump are like this as well, but it does seem to me that a lot of folks have followed in his footsteps, specifically in the way that they engage with others who don't support Trump. I'm, you know, I'm not saying it's all the time, but um, certain friends of mine uh, that I stay in touch with and have dialogue with, one in particular I'm thinking of, I had to cut off the conversation. I've, I've shared a little bit about that before. But um, yeah, they, they, the, it's time, it, there's a mindset that it's time for war, that to, you know, being patient and kind, um, it, there's no time for that because the other, them, the insidiousness of them, the, that is, um, that takes precedence over these other virtues that we espouse. So who are we? Um, who are we? Am I, am I the bad guy? You know, who am I? You know, I think it's worth asking. Am I now, have I justified such things, just like the Michael Douglas character in Falling Down, have we lost sight of our moorings, our moral uh, moorings, of our uh, a sense of true integrity? Have we lost sight of all that? Am I the bad guy, <laughs> right? Um, but also, who is my neighbor? Like, as I'm talking, we're not just talking about the movie and that question of individually, but also as we engage with others, who is my neighbor? Does someone who votes differently than me mean they're automatically the bad guy? I can do that. I can do mental gymnastics and get there by um, lumping them in as somebody did with me. He, because I don't support Trump, then I might as well be Ilhan Omar uh, and thus an anti-Semite and you know all this stuff. So who is my neighbor? Is my neighbor someone I can generalize, mischaracterize, and vilify based on how they voted on one particular issue or one particular candidate? Obviously, the answer is no. Who is my enemy? Um, that it, these are questions. So, these are questions worth asking, worth grappling with. This is what I wanted to talk about because I'm working. You can tell that I'm working it out in my brain. So, you know, my confession is sometimes I am the bad guy. I've had encounters where, frankly, I just lost my shit. I just, I lost it um, several times. 
you know, in the not too recent past. And I'm not going to blame it on my, you know, mental health or stuff like that. Um, I'm, I'm, I just, I lost it. I was the bad guy. I acted in a way that's exactly the opposite of what I'm trying to espouse here. I am the bad guy. I'm the bad guy. Yeah. So, knowing that, I guess the you know knowing that I'm part of the problem, maybe maybe is the first step towards grace. Maybe is a first step towards seeing people. Um, that disagree with me, even on something as not even political necessarily, but something as fundamental as how we engage, what this program is all about. Um, that because I am the bad guy at times, it allows me to see them as human, not to agree with their stance that now's a time for war, as opposed to talk politics and religion without killing each other. Um, even if they disagree with me on that uh, basic level, uh, but because I've messed up, because I recognize I'm the bad guy, that uh, they are not necessarily the bad guy, right? Or I shouldn't see them necessarily things as black and white as that. It's never as black and white as that. They're human beings. They have their beliefs. They have their flaws just like I do. Um, so maybe that's just recognizing that sometimes I'm the bad guy is a first step towards grace. So I hope that makes sense. Uh, I'd love to hear what you think. I'd love to tease this out a little bit more. I'd love to stretch my muscles, you know, and see if I can do better going forward. You know, uh, especially if you disagree on some of the things I said today. So I'll just leave it there and uh, definitely reach out to me. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. You know, before I close, there's one thing. I, um, I think this was uh, a David from, yeah, it was from David Brooks column last week, um, the February 15th edition of the New York Times. Uh, he said, I, I think this is David Brooks. He said, I think I detest Donald Trump as much as the next guy. But Trumpian populism does represent some very legitimate values. The fear of imperial outreach, the need to preserve social cohesion amid mass migration, the need to protect working class wages from the pressures of globalization. The struggle against Trump, the man, is good versus bad. It is a good versus bad struggle between democracy and narcissistic authoritarianism. But the struggle between liberalism and Trumpian populism is a wrestling match over how to balance legitimate concerns. So that's a good reminder. That's where I'll leave it. Uh, as always, if you dig what we're doing here, remember to follow, rate, review, definitely those reviews, and tell a friend about Talk Politics and Religion Without Killing Each Other. We're easy to recommend. It's politicsandreligion.us. Politics and spelled out, politicsandreligion.us. Or you can find me online at Corey S. Nathan. That's C-O-R-E-Y and S is in Sam. Uh, Nathan at Corey S. Nathan. Now, go talk some politics and religion with gentleness and respect. And have a great week. Yeah.